Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you, thank you. Life, how are we? Besides cold. (laughs) Goodness me, I left a freezing 23 degree day the other day and came to Adelaide. Hey, I always say it's great to come and minister, it's always better to come back. That means you might have done something right the first time, so I'm really glad about that. Great to have, I'm going to be better today because my wife is with me. My wife Terry. I'm always. I always say I'm better when she's with me, and uh, she was. She's been my wife for 40 years. Last February, so I know. I married her. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. We got married when we were 12. I mean, you know, the announcement said the Lion King. You know that thing when you were a kid. No, no, the Lion King was a thing when my kids were a kid. So uh, yeah, great to be with you today. Great to see what's happening. Two services, all going, and we're nearly full. That's good, hey? My passion in life is to see people reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ through healthy local churches, hey? And I just want to congratulate you on what's happening in the church here in Adelaide, what's going, and how many know what's going to happen? You've got my vote for tonight, all right? You've got it, all right? Just put that one down. I may not be here, but I'm, I could be a member. I could join. What have I got to do to join here? Who's got a Bible? Fantastic worship. You know, it's really good when you come to minister somewhere and you feel that by the time you get up, your message has already been preached in song and in the, the, the transitions and all that sort of thing. And I feel a little bit like that this morning. So uh, maybe God wants to speak to us. Hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about a journey that we've been through in the last few years. But uh, if you've got a Bible, actually, Chris mentioned this this morning. Have I got any slides up there? Not yet. Okay. There was something that... Uh, I read, I don't know where I read, I probably read it in a really spiritual place like social media somewhere, you know, Facebook, Instagram, somewhere like that. I read it a couple of years, years ago, or maybe a year ago or so, and, and it simply said this, it really challenged me, and I sort of changed it a little bit for myself, but it said this, it said, I didn't come this far to only come this far. I've sort of changed it a little bit to say that God has not brought us this far to only come this far. It's about as deep and as spiritual as I get, all right? But I mean, it really spoke to me in that we're on a journey, aren't we? And how many know it's not finished? No matter what it looks like, the journey's not finished. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning because have you noticed in life that it doesn't all go smoothly? Maybe it has for you, but it sort of hasn't for me. And sometimes I may be tempted to think that this is as good as it gets. You ever been like that? Just one or two? I know it's cold and I know it's, it's not even early, really. No, it's not. Have a listen to, and Chris mentioned this scripture this morning in his worship, Romans 8.31. How many have heard this this morning? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Anybody hear Chris say that in worship this morning? I'm always listening. If God, I know we're not supposed to change Scripture, but I want to change it a little bit this morning. 
for us. I guess if I was going to title my message today, it'd be, let's take the if out. Let's take the if out. Because, you know, when I say if God is for me, it's like a question. Is he or isn't he? You ever, I know no one in Adelaide would be like this, but have you ever really wondered if he's for you? Have you ever wondered if it's, the life has got so hard and so tough that you've actually questioned whether he's for you or not? Or maybe if you question whether you've missed him? No one here? Just Queenslanders. Whether it's, it's got a little bit hard and you think, wow, is he really for me or is he not? I want to take the if out today. I want to maybe take us on a bit of a journey through Scripture where we know that what we're standing on, see, if to me, the word if to me is not a sure foundation. I want to be able to say, God is for me. What can be against me? I want to take the question out of that. I want to, I want to take the question out of that for myself and I want to take the question out of that for you on your journey of life today so that when we are confronted with challenge, it's not a matter of if he's with me, it's he's with me. He's with me and I'm going to get through this whole deal. Come with me to the book of Exodus chapter 14, if you don't mind. There's a people of God in Exodus chapter 14. Let me give you a little bit of a of a, of a snapshot of what's happened here. The book of Exodus is the story of God delivering his people from 400 years slavery in Egypt. Uh, most of you will know the story. Some may not. I don't presume everybody does. But the people of God, the, the people of Israel have been in captivity for 400 years under the dictatorial leadership of the Pharaoh of the day. They're in slavery uh, and they've had a pretty bad time. God comes to Moses and says, I'm going to deliver my people. Moses goes to the Pharaoh of the day, and Pharaoh sort of agrees to let them go, and then reneges time after time after time. What God does is he shows up in demonstration of power 10 times over, where he brings plagues on the nation of, uh, of, of Egypt, uh, so that eventually the last plague is the plague of the Passover, where the firstborn in, every, every, the firstborn in Egypt of every family uh, died. Pharaoh relents and sort of relents and says, I'll let the people go. And so the people are fleeing Egypt in this story in Exodus chapter 14. However, Pharaoh does another backflip. And in verse 10, it says this, When Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were full of boldness and courage and declared that if God is for us, who can be against us? No, that's not really what the Scripture says. <laughs> the Scripture says this. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. Why have you so dealt with us to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. I think a lot of us have probably read that before, right? And you would probably be thinking to yourselves, what silly people. What unbelieving, backslidden people these people must be to actually believe that God had brought them this far 
that they would only come this far. That they would come out of Egypt, that they would be delivered, that God would promise to deliver them and be with them. And their statements are, you brought us here out of Egypt that we may die here. You would never be like that. People of Adelaide would never be like that. None of us south of Queensland would ever be like this. You know, I find to my horror so much in my life when I get confronted with challenge and trial, I wish it wasn't so, but my response is more like these people than I'd like it to be. My response is not so much as, well, God is for me, so it's all going to be okay, but I tend to, I don't stay there, but I tend to go to this place and I wonder what the heck is going on. Two years ago, last month, my son and my daughter-in-law returned from the, the, the doctors where they got the results of a bunch of tests that she was going through. They were at the time 32 years of age. They had two little girls, one four, one one. They returned from the doctors at 5 p.m. on a Friday night with a prognosis that she's got cancer in her lymph and she's got two years to live, max. Uh, she's still alive. We're still battling. But here's the deal. It's not about that story so much. It's about my reaction to that story. And to be totally honest with you, I wish I was one that was able to respond in a manner of great faith and great belief. But I've got to tell you, it shook me to my core. It, shook, it didn't shake my faith in God so much, but it certainly, I had to question, what's going, it, it, I had to question if, what's going on? I don't know what is confronting you. I don't know what challenges. Maybe everything is great in your life right now. But I want to just encourage us today as a people that no matter what the great challenge we're facing today is, God is for us. We're still in this battle. But as I've prayed, as I've learned, as I've walked the journey and many others, I'm convinced no matter what the outcome, God is for me. I don't, I've taken the if out of Romans 8. God is for me. And I pray today I can help us come to the same determination by the time we leave here at 2 o'clock. No, not 2 o'clock. You and I know the outcome of Exodus 14, don't we? We know that God showed up, that God put a, a, a rod in Moses' hand and Moses struck the water. How many know it's a pretty big thing to have a sea part in front of you? I think that would be fairly a pretty good demonstration of the fact that God is for me. The sea opens up, the Egyptian, but, but we know how it ends. But I want you to put yourself in their shoes right there. They've had 400 years in slavery. Some prophet comes and said, God is for you, we're going to deliver you. And then the greatest army in the world is chasing you on one side and you've got a sea on the other. How many know that looks like a problem? <laughs> I look at this and we tell stories of the people of Israel and we bag them for their response, but I, it's a pretty grave situation. 
And as I've said, you and I know the outcome. God turns up in his miraculous power and love and commitment and faithfulness for his people. The Red Sea split, the people are delivered and the Egyptian army are defeated and they never doubt him again. End of story. Father, we pray today. Until Exodus chapter 15, where they've gone three days journey and they're thirsty and they come to some waters at a place called Marah and the waters are bitter, undrinkable. And so their response in the very next chapter, three days after the seas split, three days. You would think you would remember. You would think that you would, that, that you would equate that God was for you. You think if he's going to deliver you, if he's going to split a sea, he can give you a drink. Exodus 15 verse 24, the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And God turned up in his power and his faithfulness and his commitment to them. And they struck the waters and the water became sweet. And they had their drinks fill and they never doubted him again. Until Exodus chapter 16. Now they got no food. Now they're saying, well, we may have split the Red Sea. And he may have given us something to drink, but maybe right now we're hungry. We've got nothing to eat. He's going to kill us of hunger instead of thirst or through the army of the Egyptians. And they say in Exodus chapter 16, verse 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we, died in, oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat and we ate bread to the full and you, you brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. What wonderful people of faith and courage. So God in his love and his commitment and his faithfulness gives them manna from heaven and they never doubt him again. Now I'm not going to go through the whole Bible. <laughs> I just did three chapters of Exodus. It happens again. They're thirsty in Exodus 17. But you know something? I look at this and I laugh and I think and I wonder at their unbelief. I wonder at how at the sign of every dark cloud, their confidence gave way. Their hearts failed. The language of unbelief entered into them. And they actually thought that God had brought them here to kill them. And I wonder at that until I look at my own life. <laughs> and I think, you know, I'm often a little bit like this. I'm often more swayed by the circumstance than I am by the love and the power and the favour and the confidence and the commitment that God has made. Wouldn't we sing a song about that this morning? And I just wonder in my own life, why am I like this? There must be something missing for me to be so affected by circumstance, by, by me not being able to answer the if question adequately. 
See, it's one thing to stand on the other side of the Red Sea once it's split and say, God is for me. It's another thing when it's facing you to be able to say, God is for you. But this is what I want to do today. I want to point some things out. It happens right throughout Scripture. David did it. Elijah did it. Everybody did it. They had great victories. Then they had great challenge. And they wondered if God was for them. We're in good company today. But here's the deal. I believe there's a difference between Moses and the people of Israel. I want to go back to Exodus 14 for a minute. Just look at a couple of verses. Because here's the people facing the Egyptian army on one side and facing the Red Sea on the other side, and we know their response. But in verse 13 of Exodus 14, the Bible says this, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. How many know that sounds like a little bit of a different response to the rest of the people who were greatly afraid? Same sea, same Egyptian army. Different response. One man has a response that's different to the rest. And I want to know what that was. I want to know what caused Moses to be able to say, stand still, be at peace. You'll see the salvation of the Lord when he's confronted with the same challenge that the rest of the people were confronted with. And I've got to say, I want to be more like Moses. One day I might get there. I'm not there yet. One day, I hope to get there. I don't want my walk of faith to be up when God's favoured me and down when apparently he hasn't and up and down and up. I want it to be a walk that is consistent with God no matter what the circumstance might be. So what was the difference? I searched, I looked, same sea, same army. And then I was looking one day in the Psalms, Psalm 103, simple little verse in 103. You know Psalm 103? It's the famous psalm that starts, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not His benefits. You know that one? And in verse 7, it says this, He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the people of Israel. This is what I want to explore for a few minutes. The difference between Moses and the people was that Moses knew his ways, not just his acts. Moses knew who he was, not just what he did. Moses knew him and not just what he could do for them. Does that make sense? There was a relationship. See, this isn't, you're not going to get rocket science off me today and you're not going to get 25 points to live in a better Christian life. You know what you're going to get from me today? We need to get to know him, not just what he can do for us. We need to go beyond just what he does because if it's just what he does, I will be thinking, well, he did it yesterday, but I'm not sure if he's going to do it tomorrow. 
He did it at the Red Sea, but will he do it at the water? He did it at the water, but will he do it when I'm hungry? He did it when I'm hungry, will he do it at the water? Because I don't know him, I just know what he's done. What he's done is a good indicator to who he is, but it's not who he is. He is a God of love. He's a God of commitment. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of power. He's a God of favour. But it's no good for Joe to know that in my life. Gary's got to know that. Gary, I can't, get, I can't win the battles that we sung about today on the back of somebody else knowing him. I need to know him. I need to get to know his character. I need to get to know who he is. I need to build my life on the rock of who he is, not just what he can do for me, which means time, doesn't it? Moses was able to say here, you will hold your, this is, this is my goal. This is my goal in my walk with Christ. My wife's here today, so she can tell you how far short of it I, of my goal I, I fall. My goal is to remain at peace when life challenges come my way. <laughs> I'm a long way away, hey, babe? Yeah, yeah, she's nodding here. Moses, and you shall hold your peace. Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in not what you've done, trusts in you, who you are. Is he for me or is he not? Is he for me sometimes or is he for me all the time? What's his character? How many know Job had a few problems? Job 22, 21, listen to this. Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. Listen to what Job says. Peace, hear me. Peace is in acquaintance. What's acquaintance? I'm acquainted I'm getting to know Joseph. I'm getting acquainted with Joseph. The more I get acquainted with God and who he is, the more likely I am to be at peace in the midst of trial. An old writer who I've had, has, has graced my life, I haven't met the guy because he died in about 1860, I think. His name was Charles Henry McIntosh, but he wrote this in one of his books. He said, true knowledge of God is life and peace. He was commentating on Job 22. He says, the more, more intimate our acquaintance, the more solid our peace. God is a rock. We only need to lean on our whole weight on him and know how ready and able he is to sustain us. It's not whether he does the miracle or not. It's whether I'm at peace or not. It's not the outcome of my daughter-in-law Stephanie's journey that's that important right now. It's pretty important, but it's the peace we can have through the journey, knowing that God is with us. In Psalm 103, bless the Lord and forget not his benefits. I believe the writer of the psalm then went on to write a lot of things that rob us of our peace. He says he forgives what? How many know guilt will rob you of your peace? But he forgives all my iniquities. 
How many know sickness and disease can rob us of our peace? But the psalmist says he heals all my diseases. How many know having a lack of purpose in your life can rob you of peace? But the psalmist says that he redeems my life, gives it back to me, puts the purpose back. How many know feeling alone can rob me of my peace? The Bible says he crowns me with love. So I'm not alone. I've got relationship with him. How many know that getting older can rob you of your peace? But he says he renews. And then he says Moses knew his ways, but the people only knew his acts. So the question for us today is this. How can we get better acquainted? You know, statistically in Australia today, actually there's an organisation called the National Church Life Survey. Every five years they survey Christianity in Australia, faith in Australia. Do you know that they count regular attendance in church now in Australia as once a month? Now, I'm not here to try and drive people to church more often. But I'm thinking to myself, if I'm in church once a month, I wonder how often I'm praying. I'm wondering how much I'm reading the Word of God. I'm wondering how much I'm getting acquainted. I wonder how much I'm building resilience for the day of challenge. It's not about regularity of attendance so we can tick you off a roll. It's about everything we can do to get acquainted with God because the acquaintance is what's going to sustain you in the hard day. That is what's going to keep you in peace in the midst of Red Sea experiences because you're acquainted with Him. So it's not about a church attendance. It's about building a people so acquainted with God that they can have a response response of Moses rather than a response of the people of Israel that's what I want for my life my encouragement to how do I get acquainted again I haven't got 35 points it's one or two it's time if I want to get acquainted with you I want to get acquainted with my family I want to get acquainted with anybody it's time isn't it it's time in their presence. It's time in their word. It's time, uh, it's time conversing. It's time praying. It's time in, in fellowship. It's time. It's not a duty. It's time because the goal's acquaintance, not religion. Religion won't get me through the hard times. But as we finish today, just looking at the clock, I've got time. Wow, I could preach for another hour here. Stay for the next session. I want to go back to Romans chapter 8. And I want to, I can't do your acquaintance for you. But what I can do here this morning in the few minutes we have left is maybe demonstrate from Scripture why you can take the if out. That'd be good. There was something that the people of Israel forgot that caused their response. And there is something that Gary forgets in first instance in the time of trial. Let me read it for you. It says in Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together 
for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Who's heard that before? For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called, and those he called, he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified. And then Paul says this, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? Verse 32. Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Do you know what the people of Israel forgot? They forgot that blood had been shed on the doorposts of the houses in Israel as a sign of God's commitment and protection to their, for their deliverance. They forgot the miracle that God had done with the blood of the sacrificial lamb over those doorposts to deliver them. They forgot God's commitment through the blood of the lamb. And do you know that when Gary hesitates, when Gary has to ask if, do you know what Gary actually forgets? That God has demonstrated his commitment to me in giving up his son for me. He gave, this to me takes the if out. I don't have if God is for me anymore. God has not left me wondering if he is for me. He has demonstrated that he is for me because he gave up his only son for me. How could I doubt even in the darkest day on this planet that he may not be for me when he demonstrated his love for me? He demonstrated his power for me. He demonstrated his commitment to me when he didn't spare his own son but delivered him up. Surely he'll give me water. Surely he'll see me... Uh, uh, victorious in my battles. Surely he'll feed me when I'm hungry. Surely he'll see my family through this, this devastation that we're going through. Surely he'll see me because it's not a matter of my feelings. He demonstrated who he is when he gave his son up for you and up for me. So no, no matter what you're facing today, no matter how dark the challenge, no matter how deep the waters may look, there is a God who demonstrated who he was by giving up his son, by not sparing his son. How much more commitment do we need when we go through the dark days of our lives, when we face the challenges and the illnesses and the family away from him and all the things that we may confront in this life? How much have we got to build on as a foundation in our lives when we think he didn't spare his son. No matter how dark it may look, he didn't spare his son. That's who he is. That's not just what he's done. That's who, if you've got children here today, you know the Bible says no greater man, no greater love has anyone than to give up his life for another. 
you know, it may be feasible in my mind that I could get to love Joe so much that I may lay down my life for him. That, that's feasible in my mind. Joe's laughing. He doesn't think it's feasible. <laughs> that's sort of feasible. Well, maybe I should pick someone else. I tell you what's not feasible. What's not feasible is I'm going to give the life of my son for someone else. And that's what God did. Gave the life of his son for you and for me. So therefore, do you think he's for you? What shall we say to these things? Let's take the if out. What shall we say to these things? God is for me. What shall we say to these things? God is for me. What shall we say to this dilemma that my family's got? God is for us. What shall we say in your financial crisis? God is for you. Because, not because I wish he's for you, not because I'd like him to be for you, but because he didn't spare his son, he gave him up for you, so I know he's for you. For you and for me. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Why don't you stand and if we got a keyboarder here, we have, thank you. I was going to play for you, but we can be very glad I didn't do that. Why don't we just close our eyes for a minute? I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know. I don't, I don't undermine the significance of the challenge in your life. But I know this. If we can learn to not look at the difficulty in the presence of God, but to look at God in the presence of the difficulty, the size of the difficulty tends to diminish. We can want God to be for us and we can wish God is for us and we can hope God is for us. But today, on the basis of Scripture, my Bible tells me He is for me. My Bible tells me I have proof. The people of Israel had proof. He shed blood for them. They just forgot it. You and I have proof today. But when the dilemmas of life take our focus away from our victory, it's because we just momentarily forget what God has done for us. And right now, I want to remind every person in this building, no matter what you're looking at, no matter what you're facing, there is one who gave his son up for you. And you can with all confidence and boldness of Moses say, stand still. You will see the salvation of the Lord and you can hold your peace. In the midst of your storm, you can hold your peace. In the midst of your your catastrophe, your dilemma, whatever it might be, you can hold your, your, your peace because there's one who didn't spare his own son. He gave him up for you. That's commitment, people. That's something we never have to doubt. That's something that has been so, so solidified in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we never have to doubt it. And maybe you're here this morning and you've wondered, I don't know how you got here, but you've wondered about this this person, this being called God. And you maybe wondered if you looked at the, the mess the world's in and wondered if God is so good, 
How do I know that He could possibly love us? Well, I'm here to tell you today, He's so good that He gave His Son up for you today. He gave His Son up in your place that you may spend eternal life with Him. He gave His Son up for you that you may walk in relationship to get to know Him as you walk this journey on the earth and then spend eternity. He gave His Son up for you. That's His commitment to you. And if you've never heard that before, or you've heard that before and you have walked away from that, as many of us have in our days, you're here this morning and I want to declare to your heart. I want to declare to your spirit that God loves you, that God gave His Son for you and that you can live a life in relationship with Him, at peace with Him and eternity with Him if you will just acknowledge what He's done for you. There is no great secret prayer. It's just an acknowledgement in your heart that God today, I accept that you gave your Son for me. And I want to ask you to be the Lord and the Saviour of my life as I commit to follow you, to walk with you and to be at peace. Right now, as I look across, can I ask people to be praying? Maybe the concept of a God that would give His Son for you is foreign, but you know in your spirit this morning, He's speaking with you. Is that you this morning? Gary, I need this peace. I need to know the God that can give me this peace. If that's you this morning, why don't you raise your hand with me? See a few hands going up. See hands going up over this auditorium. God, yeah, I need to know you. I want to know this God that'll give me peace, that'll commit to me, that'll send His Son for me. Is that you this morning? I see hands up the back. I see people. I see people raising their hands. Praise God for that. Church, let's pray this morning all together. Father, thank you that you did not spare your son, but you gave him up for me. Father, thank you that from today, I can never doubt that you are for me. And no devil, no circumstance, no catastrophe can be against me. Lord, today, we love you. We follow you. We ask you to be our Lord. In Jesus' name. Father, right now, I pray across this auditorium that there would be a revelation this morning. That even in the midst of trials, there would be a revelation that seeps deep into our spirit. That God, you're for us. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to wonder about it. We know it because you gave your son for us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Pastor Joe. What a great word. You know, what a great thought. God hasn't brought us this far just to bring us this far. And I don't know about you, but I'm doubt God continuously. But God is a faithful God. And, you know, Moses prayed, show me your ways, O Lord, that I might know you and continue to find favor. That was one of his prayers, the desire of his, Lord, that I, I may know you. Show me your ways, O Lord, that I may know you and continue to find favor you. What a, what a great prayer uh, that we would get closer to God. It's powerful. Father, just thank you for your word. Um, as we walk out of this place, Lord God, let us reflect. Let it be a word that encourages us, changes us, transforms us. Even as we go from this place, let your blessing and favor be upon us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. There may be some people that would like prayer uh, after the service. We're, we're going to stand here. We'd love to pray with you uh, if that's you. The rest, God bless you. Have a great rest of the week. we see you here on Thursday night. Thank you.